Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. In a 6-2 decision last week, the U.S. Supreme Court banned affirmative action at colleges and universities. Justices heard two cases that challenged race-based admission practices at Harvard and the University of North Carolina. The conservative majority struck down decades of precedent, saying that colleges and universities cannot consider race as one of many factors when deciding who to let in. For more on what this could mean in Oregon, I'm joined by three guests. Eric Staub is a vice president of admissions and financial aid at Lewis and Clark College. Scott Vigneault is the vice president and chief diversity officer at Oregon State University. And Sabrina Summer is the equity specialist for the David Douglas School District. Welcome to Think Out Loud. Thank you. Thank you. Scott Vigneault, first, just from a a big picture perspective, and from an institution's perspective, what's the value or what's what's the benefit of having a diverse student population? Sure. Uh, So what we know about having diverse student populations in colleges and universities is that colleges and universities is that there are a number of benefits that not only flow to students of color and other underrepresented students, but actually to everyone. So diverse classrooms create uh, better critical thinking, um, more lively uh, conversations. Um, They allow uh, students to see multiple viewpoints. Uh, And not only that, what we know about our workforce is uh, our workforce that tends to be more globally uh, connected Uh, particularly in a place like Oregon, is that uh, these are skills that employers really want. They want students who have uh, worked in teams that are diverse uh, with lots of different kinds of people. And so there are a number of of real tangible benefits uh, that flow from diverse student bodies. Eric Staub, does Lewis and Clark currently use race as one of the components in admissions decisions? So we use a holistic approach in our review of applications for admission. Uh, First and foremost, all applicants must be academically prepared to succeed at Lewis and Clark. The average unweighted grade point average of our admitted student body is roughly a 3.8. These are really bright young students that we feel will make a difference in the world. Ultimately, my job is about bringing academically qualified students to Lewis and Clark who will make this a vibrant place to be a student. Many factors go into the making that decision, but race has not been the sole factor in deciding someone's admissibility. Not the sole factor, but it has been just one of many factors. Is that a fair way to put it? That's a fair way to put it, as was the consideration of how Harvard and University of North Carolina was doing their process, although they had a much more defined process in how race was being considered. Um, and, you know, ultimately, given that the overwhelming majority of colleges and universities admit a very high percentage of students, I think in the end, this is really not going to play as big of a role in how we're doing the admissions process for students. When you say we, do you mean you at Lewis and Clark or higher education in the United States everywhere? 
I think there's a, um, the overwhelming majority of schools are admitting well over 70% of the applicants who apply to the schools. And every one of us, I can pretty much guarantee you, the first criteria is, are these students academically qualified to come to our institutions? So I think that the overwhelming majority of us are not in that luxurious position that Harvard might be in, where they're only accepting 3% of their applicant pool, and they have to then also winnow down their applicant pool to find that very teeny tiny small amount of people that they feel that they want to have in their classroom. So the overwhelming majority of us are more than excited to get applications and to enroll qualified applicants. So I think it's going to be incredibly marginally different. There's not going to be a huge difference in how we're making our admissions decisions for the overwhelming majority of colleges and universities overall across the United States, not just at Lewis and Clark. Well, that does jibe with what I've seen over the last week or so from a number of experts and people who work at admissions in a variety of schools that race conscious admissions made a a big difference for a pretty small number of, in particular, black and Latino students who were applying to a very small number of highly selective schools. But I, I guess I'm still wondering if if you're saying that at Lewis and Clark, um, that that race to some extent was a part of, of some decision making. What's it going to mean for you to, to not be able to take race into account in that way anymore? Yeah, so uh, I think at Lewis and Clark College, you know, we are firmly committed to cultivating a diverse student body that includes individuals from a broad range of backgrounds and perspectives. And nothing about this Supreme Court really, really is going to change that. And so we are in the process of currently reviewing the, the ruling from the Supreme Court. And we're reviewing our admissions processes to ensure that we're going to follow the law to letter. But I don't anticipate that we're going to need to make that big of a change. So uh, and I'm you know, super encouraged by the remarks from Justice Roberts, who wrote in his majority opinion, quote, nothing in this opinion should be construed as prohibiting universities from considering an applicant's discussion of how race affected his or her life, be it through discrimination, inspiration, or otherwise, end quote. And so this really tells me that we do not need to be race ignorant in the review of applications for admission. If the applicant tells us in their application essay that being Hispanic from rural Oregon has impacted their life, my admissions team and I may feel like this is a perspective that we want in our classroom. Ultimately, I think what the majority opinions on the Supreme Court want colleges to stop being influenced by is the box on the application for admission that tells us that the applicants, what the applicant's race or ethnicity is. Scott Vigneault, can you help me understand um, the the direction to the extent that that admissions officers are going to be taking that line from uh, from the Chief Justice uh, and sort of and and applying it in in the meeting rooms? How do you imagine it might go? So if if the the main point here is you're not looking at a, a checked box for race or ethnicity. Um, because that's no longer allowed, but you can read an applicant's essay and hear and 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 think about what they've written about their experience in life, the ways in which race or ethnicity have have affected them. And what what would you then do with that information? Yeah, I think you know, like Eric, I think I was heartened to read uh, that last paragraph in Justice Roberts' opinion. 
but it immediately started spinning out a whole bunch of questions for me around practically how do you do that and i think it's going to be a very fine line that admission officers are are drawing uh between uh making a decision or or having uh, a contributing factor to an admission decision being based on an individual's lived experience versus uh you know the, the a race racial ra their race or ethnicity that they identify as part of the application i think we're going to be working working on this for a while i'm trying to figure out what uh what's in and and what's out and and where we draw that fine line um ultimately i think uh there is the possibility that we may see um, additional cases that sort of challenge what exactly this means or, or are seeking clarity around around what exactly that that portion of the application or I'm sorry of the decision means. I do think it, it raises a bigger question, which is that essentially the Supreme Court has said we're talking about individual life experiences as opposed to addressing disparities in higher education from a structural level. So if uh, rather than considering uh, the long-term impacts of exclusionary policies on, on students of color, now we're saying really it's just about um, each individual's experience uh, that may or may not have been impacted by race. And so I, I expect we'll see, for example, um, a lot more uh, a lot more attention paid to the to the college essay, more guidance coming out from counselors about how to write those essays, um, and then a period of adjustment as uh, admission officers, particularly at selective institutions, try to figure out what to make of this new of this new landscape. Well, Sabrina Summer, this clearly is is your, is my, your turn to to jump into this conversation. Do you imagine um, that advisors or counselors are going to be telling uh, high school juniors and seniors to to be thinking differently now about their essays? Um, yes, I believe that that would probably uh, come into play in this situation, um, given exactly what Scott was just talking about around um, the college essay and the ways that that will impact um, students, you know, the story that they tell, right? And how they're using their story to um, impact that admission decision. So I do think that that could be something that uh, we see come into play. Um, I imagine also counselors will just rally and support students in um, all the ways that they can to continue to provide them with connections and opportunities with higher ed um, so that they have that access and that uh, knowledge of the higher education system in Oregon. Um, and it is very uh, encouraging to hear both Eric and Scott talk about their positions um, as well in terms of thinking about our students in David Douglas, who are 70% uh, students of color. In general, how many of your students over the years have been applying to the kinds of highly selective schools that have taken race into account? We're talking about a very small subset of American higher education here. Yeah, I would say that, um, you know, David Douglas School District is, uh, you know, it's a pretty lower income, socioeconomically challenged community. And we have, like I said, lots of students of color, a lot of immigrant students, a lot of um, English language learners. And um, our students are just so incredibly diverse and come from such incredibly diverse backgrounds um, that we we probably don't see too many that do uh apply to those select selective universities but we do see some um primarily 
in our Asian student population, we do see many students. We had two, we had at least oh, a handful of graduates last year who are going uh, to universities in California, to going to, to Stanford and going to USC um, and other, you know, higher um, level institutions. So we do see some of those students as well in our community, um, but it, it's definitely a smaller percentage of our student population that um, even seeks, you know, to reach to that level. What kinds of conversations do you imagine having in the fall um, uh, among prospective college students, am among your seniors, um, specifically as a result of this ruling? Well, um, so I think of my colleagues who are all still over at the counseling office at David Douglas High School and at our alternative school for Ridge. And I think that um, they are very devoted to our students and very devoted to helping our students reach the highest level that our students want to reach, providing them with the information that they need, um, with all of the, the tools and the resources they need. Um, our staff is very committed to helping our students reach the highest levels that they can. And I imagine that the conversations around this, and I hope that the conversations around this are explicit. Um, I think that talking about race is still something that is really hard for us. Um, and in our school system in particular, we have been engaging in a lot of uh, work around this as a district from our you know, district leaders all the way through every school building. We're having conversations about how race and other uh, forms of marginality are impacting our students um, within our schools. And um, that has been going on for the last few years. We have a program specifically to help our students come back and uh, work in our district and get their teaching certificate with some financial support from our district and um, come back and teach in our district as students of color. So we definitely have this commitment to um, serve our students well and to help them reach uh, their goals and the places that they want to go in their lives. Um, and I believe that that's what our counseling office will continue to do um, to continue to, you know, connect with higher ed officers like Scott and Eric and others around the state and also um, some advocacy at the state level and within our um, our own school system, because we know that the disparities begin in K-12. And so what we're seeing in our K-12 system right now is that that you know the it's very predictable by race who is going to uh, thrive and succeed within our school system and we're trying to change that um, in david douglas school district and work on that so i do believe those conversations will be taking place and hopefully at that level of um, authenticity and directness with students that um, i think i think students need that they know they're experiencing race they're experiencing this moment in very real ways as are their families and i think that for for white folks in particular in our schools it's a little more challenging to have that conversation directly um and i was a i am a latina immigrant and was a counselor at the high school for a long time and i preferred those direct conversations with students where we could talk about what's hard about it. We could talk about what the challenges and barriers are. And then we can, you know, roll up our sleeves and talk about how we're going to 
um, seek to overcome those barriers. If you're just tuning in, we are talking right now about the end of affirmative action in college admissions and what happens next. Sabrina Summer is the equity specialist for the David Douglas School District. Eric Staub is the vice president of admissions and financial aid at Lewis and Clark College. And Scott Vigno is the vice president and chief diversity officer at Oregon State University. Scott, my understanding is that OSU does not consider race as part of the admissions process, but you have seen a 10 percentage point increase in students of color on your main campus in Corvallis over the last decade. What's your strategy? Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, the proportion of of students at OSU who identify as students of color has increased, in fact, almost 75% since 2013. Uh Students of color make up almost 30% of our of our student body at this time. And we don't consider race or ethnicity as part of our admission process. We instead have a, a very direct access mission. As the land grant in Oregon, we say uh, we are we are committed to admitting every qualified student that applies. And that's unlike uh, more selective institutions where they have lots of qualified applications for one spot. And so they have to make these difficult decisions um, based on a variety of factors, which up until last week uh, may have included uh, race and ethnicity. Our strategy is really focused on a couple things. Um, one is to, to build relationships, strong relationships with uh, K-12 partners, uh, with community-based organizations, uh, with uh, state agencies and, and other uh, partners uh, to build what we call sort of culturally responsive pathways to, to Oregon State. So there's an important piece here, which is recognizing that not all communities are the same and not all needs are the same. And oftentimes those contexts vary not only by, by communities, but by region. And so uh, programs uh, like Juntos, which runs out of uh, the OSU Extension program, uh, provide very culturally uh, appropriate and responsive uh, uh, curriculum to students and their families that talk about the promise of higher education, that talk about what it takes uh, to go to uh, college and, and to be successful as a, as a student. And so that has been a major focus of ours. I think another piece here is, is focused on affordability. And so as much as, as race and ethnicity is a, can be a contributing factor to uh, a student's uh, the likelihood of admission, so too is 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 the affordability of of that college education. And we know that um, while income dis income inequality is increasing, uh, the the cost of tuition is also increasing. And so we're working really hard to make sure that college is affordable for students and that they're not leaving college with a significant amount of debt. Um, and this is a a focus on this kind of topic is a the benefit of that flows not only to students of color, but to other students that have historically faced barriers to um, to accessing higher education. So students from rural communities, uh, veterans, adult learners, uh, and others. And so we think uh, there there's a lot of benefit to be gained by building those very strong pathways uh, to higher education that let students know that they belong and that they can thrive and that they'll be supported once they arrive at Oregon State, but then also focusing on essentially how do we ensure that students uh, can sustainably uh, remain and, and be retained at Oregon State so that they can graduate and go on to successful careers. Eric Staub, this ruling is really, it's very specifically focused on admissions decisions, saying you cannot take race into account when you're making these decisions. But could it have a broader impact 
on other aspects of colleges or universities? That is really an excellent question, and you are spot on in clarifying that this is really a ruling from the Supreme Court about using race as just one of the many variables that admissions offices used in our process of making admissions decisions. It has nothing to do with how we recruit or where we recruit. Uh, it has nothing to do with how um, we hire people. It has nothing to do with how we provide support services for historically underrepresented students on our campuses. This is squarely on the question of whether or not an admissions office can look at the checked box and say, this is a Hispanic student and therefore I wish to admit the student because they've checked that box. Do, but do you think that it could lead schools to change any of those other practices that you just outlined um, as a kind of overgeneralization of the principle from this very particular ruling? Yeah, this is really, I think, the big question and a big concern that I have, the interpretive overreach that some may find as an opportunity to either find an excuse to not provide those kind of support services um, or to uh, to be overly cautious in how we um, in, interpret certain regulations and therefore stop uh, providing either support or doing initiatives to help us to accomplish our goals of providing a, a richly diverse experience for our enrolled students. So yes, absolutely. This has the potential, and I'm hopeful that colleges will be cautious not to be to be over over interpreting this decision. Sabrina, before we say goodbye, what would you what advice would you give directly to young students today? Um, I would just say, you know, work really hard at school. Find people who can support you in that work. Um, find mentors. Um, if you don't have teachers who look like you, um, go out into the community and find those folks and hear different perspectives and learn from different kinds of people and um, and access your, your school counselors, your teachers who you have connections with, anybody who will support you in moving forward um, with your goals and, and helping you reach that goal of uh, going to college, um, wherever you may want to go. Um, surround yourself with people who can support that work. And um, yeah, I think that's really kind of what it comes down to is just, you know, stay in the game because the tides turn all the time and there are always people who are willing to help and there are always people who are going to show up on your side and go to bat for you. And so um, stay in the game and, um, and work hard. Sabrina, Eric, and Scott, thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Sabrina Summer is the equity specialist for the David Douglas School District. Scott Vigneault is the vice president and chief diversity officer at Oregon State University. And Eric Staub is vice president for admissions and financial aid at Lewis and Clark. If you tune in to Think Out Loud because you love learning about what's happening in our region, you'll love listening to The Evergreen. This weekly podcast paints an audio portrait of the Pacific Northwest through the stories of the people who live here. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.